Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Good morning. I hope everyone is feeling well. I do want to say thank you again to everyone that showed up yesterday for our Heartway Healers event. It was so beautiful to just connect with all of you on a more intimate level. Uh, We're going to keep running these, so be on the lookout for it. It is donation-based, but it means so much to us. It helps us to continue to grow in the way that we're wanting to. And uh, we're just grateful to spend time with you all and to really get to know you on a more one-on-one basis as well. So my name is Gabby and I'm gonna be guiding our centering prayer for today. If you haven't practiced that before, all we're doing here is connecting with ourself, which allows us to connect to the God within each and every one of us. So in a way we're really connecting with everyone in the room as well because we all share that God within us, amen. So as we find ourselves here, You're gonna be nice and comfortable, seated position. Try to have a tall spine. Allow your palms to face either up or down, whatever is most comfortable for you. Sometimes if we're feeling a little more anxious, more jittery, then we can place the palms down, makes us feel a little bit more grounded. But if you wanna have the palms up, think of it as an invitation to receive, to be open. As you allow your eyes to close, we're gonna begin by taking a nice deep inhale. Really inhale through the belly, expand, open up, and then vocally exhale, release. Again, we slowly inhale, nice and big belly. You wanna feel the expansion throughout the body, opening up. And as you exhale, you allow the shoulders to come down. You allow the body to enter into a state of relaxation. Let's take one more breath together. We inhale nice and big. As you continue your breathing, I want you to imagine that with each inhale, you start to expand and create space within yourself. And as we exhale, we go deep within that space. Each breath starts to remove all the blockages, all the walls that we've placed. We start to remove any energy that is not serving to us in this very moment. And as we exhale, we allow ourselves to sink deeper into the peace. You see, it is us that blocks us from the peace. Our peace is found deep within ourselves. So as we continue to inhale and breathe, we create more and more space to allow us to experience this peace. So as you continue your breathing, allow the mind to slowly shut off, releasing all the thoughts, releasing all the experiences that we shared earlier today. 
Releasing the need to attach to the past or to the future. And we allow ourselves to be present right here, right now, connected with the very moment that the breath represents. We connect with our life force. We connect with the grace that God blesses us with. Each breath becomes an invitation to allow yourself to go deeper within. An invitation to welcome God back into your heart. An invitation to allow the awareness to be right here, right now. Each breath is an invitation to let go. To let go of all that is not serving to us. To let go of all the thoughts and allow yourself a moment of peace, a moment of stillness. An opportunity to release any shackles that are weighing you down allowing the body and the mind to be free, allowing yourself to feel the true spirit within you, the essence of your being, the one connected and aligned with God at all times. Take a deep inhale, really fill up the belly nice and big. And as you exhale, Allow yourself to sink deeper within this space. Take a moment to connect with the very peace that you're feeling in your heart, in your body, and your mind. Take this opportunity here to welcome God, to allow Him to guide you, to speak to you, to connect with you. As we remove our need to control, as we let go of the attachments, we create an opportunity to allow God to show us all that is possible. God sees beyond what we can see. God's dreams and visions for us are more than we can even imagine. So we release, we release our need to control. We release our need for things to be the way we want them to be. And we invite God's vision into our hearts. Ask him now to show you all that he has for you. And take a moment to believe and to affirm all that you see. No longer playing small. No longer living in a box. Allow God to expand 
your thinking, releasing all the limiting beliefs, all the fears. Allow God to show you all that is possible, all that he created you to be. Take a deep inhale. Exhale. Bring the palms to your heart. Feel the heart beating. Remind yourself of all the purpose that you were created with. We take a moment to affirm that we are worthy. We are loved. We are divinely guided. We are a living, breathing manifestation of God. There are no limitations when it comes to us. You are limitless. We inhale nice and big. Hold the breath for three, two, and with a big smile, This peace is your true state of being. We'll gently bring the awareness back in, releasing the hands, wiggling fingers and toes. When you're ready, you may gently blink open the eyes. May peace and love always be with you. Amen, my friends. How y'all doing this morning? I'm doing great. I didn't expect that. That was, that was good. I appreciate that. I'm doing good. <laughs> so nice to be up here today. It's always nice to engage with you guys and just, you know, get to share in this communion and community. It's a beautiful thing, you know. Danny, thank you for having me up here today. And <laughs> I got to say, man, if y'all were here last week <laughs> when, when Danny was talking about the salt of the earth, I've been cracking up about this all week. We just hear in the background, we hear Tommy going, yeah, talk about that salt. <laughs> I'm gonna make you a custom t-shirt with that on it, dog. You know? <laughs> but in speaking of last week, um, there was a beautiful message that Danny conveyed that actually was the reasoning, or rather the motivation, the inspiration for this message today, where he was talking about Carl Jung's topic or concept of individuation, understanding who we are as an individual, leaning into who we are as an individual, and really not only willing to acknowledge it and accept it, but really fully embody the uniqueness of who we are, and understanding that when we lean into that individualistic nature, it actually gives us an opportunity to bring something new into the world. Because when God said, I would like to do a new thing in you, he was also saying, I'd like to do a new thing in the world through you. Yes. So by the very fact that you exist today, it is a confirmation that God said he wants to do a new thing. And so with that being said, the title of today's sermon is The Emotional Gospel. It makes sense why I'd be, I'd be the one standing up here and I'm talking about being an individual and I end up talking about emotion, right? 
<laughs> and I joke around and I say, you know, I always reference when I'm up here, oh, I'm a sensitive person. Oh, you know, I, I am emotionally sensitive. But there's this misconception about what that actually means. When we call someone emotional, now don't get me wrong, there be people that be on some crazy emotional stuff out here. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying that mine is controlled and manifests healthily. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but this concept, it's a perfect example of it. Is anyone in here, and you ain't got to raise your hand, I'll stand alone, it's cool. Has anyone in here ever been told, you're too sensitive? Okay, what's up, family? What's up, family? <laughs> sensitive mob, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> <laughs> How many of you feel like you experience emotions more deeply than those around you? Well, I resonate with that, so I love you. What's up? There's a strong likelihood that you are part of a group that is, or construct rather, called highly sensitive people. Now, we account for about 10 to 15% of the population. And what it means to be a highly sensitive person, again, this isn't like a fragility, like, a, oh, I'm so sensitive. It's actually talking about a biological type of sensitivity, a sensitivity that arises on the level of the nervous system. Highly sensitive people, or HSPs, actually have a number of differences within our nervous system. Our Nervous system is more, has more of a sensory awareness. So putting this into context, HSPs experience when it comes to loud sounds. Loud sounds can be very overwhelming. It can give you a headache. HSPs tend to have deep emotional intensity. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that the emotions will express behaviorally. Having intense emotions doesn't make you reactive, but it means that you experience them more deeply, that the experience of that physiological occurrence can be more intense. Think of it as if you have a radar that is very sensitive, or if you have some kind of a detector. As a matter of fact, let's keep it 100 in here. Imagine you get a new job, and you find out that the drug test they utilize is highly sensitive. If you've got some illegal stuff in your system, that's not a good situation for you. Because that increased sensitivity means it's going to have an increased level of awareness to detect what's there. You get what I'm saying? And so the whole reason I bring up this concept of highly sensitive people is to say, number one, that has been a major aspect of my own individuation my own individual experience of life that has manifested and impacted me in a number of ways. But it's also to focus on one of the core elements of HSPs, one of the most prominent factors that categorize or define them is a deep level of connection with their emotions, a deep level of emotional sensitivity or awareness. And so, from that perspective, I bring up this concept of the emotional gospel. Oh, you don't want to mess with me now, huh? I rebuke you. <laughs> so, so my intent today with this message is to shed light on what emotions are 
But to really get into the depth of the untapped power that they allot us. We think about emotions, but my goal, my desire with this is for us to be able to really understand that there's a power in me, that there's a reservoir that God has implanted. And so much of the power of that reservoir, I actually tend to suffer a lot of the times because I don't understand how to relate to it. That when I feel an intense emotion, when it hits me, it ends up feeling like an enemy or it ends up feeling like something that is in conflict with me. But in actuality, if I could learn to essentially read the manual of this thing, I can actually turn that for my good. I can actually turn that for the good of reality. I can actually use it to do massive things that may not get done otherwise. And so with this concept of emotion, it only makes sense that we start off with a, a scripture. I want to take a look at Proverbs 27 and 19. I'm drinking some water, yo. Danny be making everything look swaggy. Like he just be transitioning to talking and joking and drinking water like all at one time. That's, I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that. And so I'm going to just let you know. Sometimes I'm going to just grab some water and drink it. <laughs> Proverbs 27 and 19. As in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Just think about that for a second. I mean, obviously it makes sense on the, you know, on the superficial level, but really think about that. Just as in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. It's saying that when you look at the heart, you see the person. Well, what's in the heart? When we think about this concept of the heart, when we say that like, oh my heart, I love you with all my heart, we're basically talking about the presence of two things either the presence of love or the presence of fear. Because we know that at their core, we talk about all these different emotions. We talk about happiness, excitement, um, anxiety, judgment, shame, glee, joy, all of these things. They all come back to one of two emotions, love or fear. Those are the two true ones. And so when we understand that this concept of the heart is a representation of our love or our fear, it gets us to understand that to understand the person, you must understand the emotions in their heart. In other words, I can't know you until I know how you feel. If I don't know how you feel, if I don't know the experience of what it is to be you, I can't understand you. And that sounds obvious, but so often we don't apply that. Because if we were to accept that to be true, how is it that we judge people with such ease? How is it that we criticize and talk down on and de-emphasize the importance of people when we don't know how they feel, we don't know their experience. That's the importance of what it is when we say that 
everybody has their own reality. That reality is subjective because I cannot know your reality. I cannot know you. I can't even say truly that I honor you and I respect the uniqueness of you if I don't understand how you feel. I'm going to ground this in a very realistic but controversial topic. That's the reason why so many people have such trouble engaging with or developing any type of empathy for the LGT, excuse me, I'm sorry, I already get this messed up, the LGTBQ community. So many of us will talk about a group of people, we'll develop, we'll make decisions on their behalf. We'll talk about who they are. We'll try to categorize them. But here's my question. This isn't critical. This isn't challenging you. I'm merely asking you a question. If you have a strong position about anyone in that community, if you have a strong position about transgenders, okay. My question is, have you ever once asked how it feels to be one? Have you ever asked what it feels to be in that position, to live in a society that is unwilling to acknowledge the nuance of your experience? And so what I say is, it's not about your position. I have an awareness that I have an ignorance, I have a lack of awareness about the experience of transgenders. But respect, respectively, I will not make a judgment, I will not make a perception until I sit at their feet. Are you willing to sit at the feet of your neighbor and ask him, what is it like to be you? Because if I learn what it's like to be you, then now I can understand you a little bit more. Maybe I won't agree with you, but I can see where you're coming from. I'm not gonna invalidate you by calling you crazy, or calling you wild. Dudes be getting together at, at the pub and talking about how women be crazy. No, women don't be crazy. You just don't take the time to understand them, fool. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Some of them be wilding out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I ain't just going to go full Benedict Arnold on you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we be tripping too. We be tripping too. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. But there's this beauty and understanding that when we look at the fact that when you look at what someone feels, when you look at their emotions, when you come to understand their emotions, there's a wealth in that. There's a wealth in what you can learn about them, what you can glean from them. When you look at what someone feels, you get to discover their truths, their fears, their needs, their pains, their priorities, their story. That is why empathy is so powerful. And that's why, in fact, empathetic eyes are the only eyes that can see another person clearly. If my lens, we talk about being empathetic, we talk about having empathy. No, do we embody it? 
do we live with an awareness that emotion is universal? One of the most powerful things that I've learned when it comes to this psychology, when it comes to understanding emotion, it's literally that when I get to the basis of emotion, as a matter of fact, that's something I love about being a highly sensitive person. There are aspects of it that drive me crazy. I get overwhelmed easily. I can get overstimulated easily. If I'm at a concert, I'm going to leave with a migraine, even if it was my favorite band playing. But something I love about it is when the, the fact that I experience emotion so viscerally, I mean, when I tell you, and this isn't something that manifests all the time, but there are times where it's like, I will literally go outside and look at the sky and tears will run down my eyes like I'm mind blown. Because it's not that I'm looking at something, it's I'm captivated by the fact that this is a reality. How the hell did two galaxies collide in order for the element iron to be produced, the iron that runs through my veins, I would not exist to see this sky if a galactic collision had not occurred. That is so gangster. Like what? I'm just looking up like, yo, this is crazy, bro. You know what I mean? And I'm dead sober. It's just... <laughs> Because some of y'all are listening to this and you're like, oh, he was on shrooms. No! You know <laughs> like, that's why that had nothing to do with no emotional sensitivity, bro. You're just <laughs> Those were not shiitake. But anyway. But something beautiful about it is when I've actually stopped to evaluate all the emotions I've felt. Joy, excitement, rage, shame jealousy, creativity, anxiousness, any emo elation, any emotion I can think about, I realize that I'm not the first person to feel or experience any emotion. And I actually realize that every emotion I've ever felt was felt by any person sitting next to me. So there is a unifying nature to emotion. I can have a brand new thought, but I can't have a brand new emotion, which means that there is a glimmer of every emotion I have in the person that I might despise the most, just as much as the person I love the most. And so from that perspective, the, log the empathetic perspective is the only logical one from which to engage other people. And that's powerful. Thank you, fam. Let's talk about that salt, you know what I'm saying? We called this the emotional gospel. That's the title of this message. But what is the emotional gospel? There's a reservoir of power in you. And if you learn to harness it, you can move mountains that might not get moved otherwise. Leave that up there for me, appreciate you. You know, one of my favorite definitions of emotion is that emotion is an action indicator. That we think of emotions as this nebulous happening. And don't worry, I'm gonna break down later what an emotion actually is, but first I wanna come at it from this perspective. But they call it an action indicator. 
that when you feel an emotion, the main purpose of us having that emotion, an emotion is the language of our body. So it's our body communicating with our mind. Your body is communicating with you when you have an emotion. Why? Because it's telling you, here's an indicator of action that needs to be taken. Maybe the action is no action. Maybe the action is you need to reevaluate yourself. Maybe the action is, brother, you about to die. You need to get up out of here. And you need to run as fast as you can. But there's an action that needs to occur. And so when we understand that, it's like that emotion you have, these things you feel, there's a beauty and there's a utility in learning how to harness it. It's not just something that happens to us. It's something that we can transmute and utilize for goodness in our lives and in the existence of this world. So I have a really interesting story. When, Pop, you'll like this one. When I was, when I started to work out, I started working out when I was like 13 or 14. And it became a massive part of my life. Um, prior to COVID, I had not missed five days of the gym since I was 13. It just became so in, embedded in like who I was, you know? Um, one of the people that influenced not only my relationship with working out, but influenced my thinking years before I was able to understand what the heck he taught me was this individual by the name of Toby. He was this, I want to say like five, six, shredded, like but real thin Asian dude that came into the gym every single day and wore the same outfit every single day. It was always fresh. I feel like he had 100 pairs of, every, of the shirt and pants and shoes because they never had a scuff on them. I'm like, how do you have the same outfit brand new every day? Like, this is crazy. But he would come in, and even though he was a man of small stature, his strength was insane. He only weighed like 160, 165 pounds. Matter of fact, he was a lot like Talon. Where that brother just, he's lean, but then you see like videos of him squatting and deadlifting and stuff, and you're like, how are you putting up all that weight, bro? Like what? You know what I'm saying? He's a superhuman. But this dude was incredibly strong, incredibly athletic. And for some reason, I can't understand why. When I was like 14, 15, he saw me, and he started to mentor me in training. But his way of mentoring me wasn't, <laughs> it's all good? It's all right? Oh, I thought it was going to keep going. I was going to dance to it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but his way of mentoring me was not just telling me to lift more weight. He, as a matter of fact, I should tell you this first, because I found out about this after I was no longer in connection with him, after I'd left the gym. He never told me, but this guy was a... NFL trainer, he was a, he was basically, he would work with like the, the linemen to help them to develop explosion. He would help them to increase the weight that they could do on all of these different lifts. He helped them to generate power. But I'm, there's a reason why I mention that he was 
Asian, he was Chinese. And his philosophy was he came at it from the awareness of chi. There's energy in the body. And so when you learn to harness that energy, and a lot of times you see powerlifters and they psych themselves out. That wasn't Toby. Toby, he breathed like Gabby. Every breath was intentional. And you would see him breathing and he would, like the cadence of his breath was, it was so calculated. So that when he would lift this weight, you're like, this is amazing. But the thing that ties into this that was so beautiful is the way he would teach people to access this and to harness this was through their emotion. When he first started working with me and he was explaining to me how you are to leverage this energy in your body and once you really get to that point where you peak and you lift the weight, I would try to get myself psyched up. And so every time he'd see me start like, you know when you see a power lifter trying to get in the zone and they're like, <laughs> as soon as he'd see me start shaking, he'd say, no, do it again. No, do it again. He wouldn't get me psyched up. He would actually get me to calm myself. He would have me to do a short meditation. He would have me bring my heart rate down. He'd literally have his hand to my wrist and be checking my pulse and say, okay, now use the emotion. Because what he would say to me is, I don't want you to become the emotion. I want you to harness the emotion. And I need to get your vessel, I need to get it in a calm state of awareness so that when we activate the emotion, that it'll come through you and you'll put it into the weight. You get what I'm saying? And so as a result, when I was, because now I do bodybuilding, now I, I, I do pretty boy lifting, because you know, you get injured lifting heavy weight, you know? But back then, and it didn't make no sense, I was 19, 20, 21 years old, weighing 170 pounds, deadlifting 600 pounds, squat lifting, squatting over 500 pounds with good form, curling 90 pound dumbbells, people were like, this doesn't make any sense. And it was because he taught me how to harness my emotion. Yeah. And so, aligning this thing of power and emotion, there's two superpowers that we have that we can thank emotion for. Number one is to create emotional bonds, to create bonds with people. As a result of our emotions, they help us to create bonds. Because we as humans, we are social beings. The reason why we're at the top of the food chain isn't because we were the smartest. It was because we had higher intelligence, but also because we were relational. We could work together in groups. And so back in the olden days, when we were still nomadic, if you couldn't relate, you would die because you needed the tribe. You get what I'm saying? And so superpower number one is it helps us to build bonds with people. The second superpower is emotions help us to predict events in our reality. Why do we experience fear? 
Fear isn't about something happening now. If you're suffering something in the moment, you're feeling pain, you're feeling whatever, you're, you're having a reactionary response. But fear is a prediction. And so when you stop and you break this down that the two powers of emotions is to create bonds with others and to predict events in the world, what is bond forming? Love. What is predicting events in the world? Fear. It's showing us that the power of emotion actually isn't just in positive emotion. It's also in the ones we perceive as negative. That even fear keeps us alive. That there's a beauty in that, that there's, when we look at the full spectrum of our emotions, it's not like we have to segment ourselves and say, okay, all these good emotions, those are the ones that are good for me. And all these negative ones, these are a representation that I'm inadequate. These are a representation that I need to change myself. Maybe there's some things you need to improve, yes. We don't want to be depressed all the time. We don't want to be dealing with anxiety and all these kind of things. But what it's saying is like, there is use in all of it. And so my question is, how do you feel on a daily basis? What are the things that trigger you? How do you feel when you're triggered? Having an awareness of all of those emotions, all those feelings, all those sensations, it's powerful. You guys with me? And I want to bring this through in another example, talking about the power of emotion. When a mother breastfeeds her baby, do you know that the very act of the baby suckling on the mother releases oxytocin? Oxytocin is the neurochemical that is associated with love and attachment. So that means through the process of breastfeeding, our bodies, or rather, women's bodies, not my body, hallelujah. Um, <laughs> women's bodies have evolved so that there is literally an event occurring when they breastfeed that they're being influenced on the level of their biology to experience a deeper connection with that child that that emotion is giving them the power of deeper connection. It's increasing the likelihood that that child will stay alive. Why? Because it's increasing the likelihood that the mother will stay with their child throughout child rearing. It also influences the mother's desire and ability and willingness to protect that child at all costs. As a result of that connection, as a matter of fact, perfect example, you want to know the scariest person? Listen, I've been doing martial arts for years. It's hard for me to be scared of somebody. If it's mono and mono, it's going to be hard for me to be scared of you. Let me tell you the scariest person. It's not Mike Tyson. It's not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Don't actually do this. But just pretend that you didn't walk down the street and you see a mama with her kid and just go ahead and push that boy on the floor. See if in three seconds you're not fighting a grizzly bear that just got out of hibernation. Fresh out. Don't tear you apart. You ever heard those stories about a child that was in danger and a mother adopted this superhuman strength, lifted the car off her child? Well, 
a large part of the reason is because when a mother, a parent, but especially a mother, identifies that her child is in danger, there is a massive release of norepinephrine and endorphins. Norepinephrine, also known as adrenaline, think of it as like the action neurochemical, an energy that propels you to action. And there's also a massive release of endorphins. One of the many roles that endorphins play in the body, endorphins are a natural painkiller. So if a mother is identified, my child's in danger, her body will release energy and a painkiller into her to say, whatever I gotta do right now, I'm about to make that happen. You'll see a little woman do amazing big things with that emotion of attachment that's embedded in her body. That's a powerful thing. And so the whole thing that I'm wanting us to take from this, before I go into how we can actually leverage it, is really getting a deeper understanding of this is a sacred thing. I don't know if any of you have ever felt weak or in need of power or in need of change in your life. It's a painful thing to feel weak. And so at least for me, I've developed an understanding that any power that God has given me to access is sacred. I can't waste it because one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to get to the end of my life and find out that there was power I didn't harness. If I got to fail at something, let it be for my inadequacy. Let it be because I was incompetent, not because I had competence that I let lay on the wayside. And so we got to see this for what it is. So with that being said, what is emotion? When an emotion occurs, what happens? I think this will be very interesting. When an emotion, or rather, this is the process of an emotion, a triggering event occurs. After that event occurs, there is an inner body response. Now this response, this inner body response, it's saying it's on the level of your nervous system. This is going into the HSP thing I was talking about earlier. Your nervous system reacts before anything else does. That's why we have these subconscious reactions where if you scare somebody, you'll see how their nervous system reacts. If you jump up behind them and go, boo. Some people take off running. They don't even turn around to see what scared them. They don't even know it was you. They just gone as soon as you do it. Other people will turn around and kick you in your face. <laughs> There's a couple of them over there. <laughs> After the inner body response, there's the outer body response. That's your facial gestures. There's the, the motor functions, anything that you can observe on the, on the outer body. Then from there, it's the action tendency. The action tendency is essentially the part of this, and, and by the way, for anyone that wants to look more into this, it's really interested emotion. in emotion, 
this isn't just psychology. This is a subset called the affective sciences, like affect, A-F-F-E-C-T. Look it up, it's interesting. See, agrees. <laughs> the action tendency is essentially the part of this process where the relationship with the event starts to change. Now there's an awareness, there's beginning to be a motivation to action happening in the body. Now here's the thing I want you to get. That last part is feeling or sensation. That means all this other stuff has happened before you become aware that the emotion is in you. You just had three steps take place. You just had your nervous system respond, you just had your motor functions respond, and you just had the action tendency manifest, and all that happened before you even knew what the hell was going on. Your body didn't even talk to you. He waited to tell you what was going on, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that gets mad at that. I'm like, that ain't right, you know what I'm saying? I feel like we should all be talking to each other. Nervous systems should tell the motor functions. All right, forget it. But that helps us to understand if all of these things are happening before the moment of sensation, before the moment that I become aware I'm feeling an emotion, if all I do is react and I don't process it, does it make sense why this could go awry? Why this could be a tragedy? If I don't know what's going on in me, I don't know what my nervous system's doing and I don't know why. I don't know the impact of any of these things. I just now have this sensation, this feeling, especially if it's strong and negative and overwhelming. And it's just, and then you explode. And then three hours later, you calm down, and people are like, why the heck did you do that? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I was mad, you know? Y'all quiet today. <laughs> Just means you're listening, that's all. Amen. No, I'm playing. And so I want to leave you with this little piece of practicality right here. The last thing I want us to address is now that we understand the power of emotion, we understand the purpose of emotion, we understand the gift we have in emotion, that they allow us to create bonds with others, that it allows us to engage with our world differently and it allows us to you know, predict the events going on in our world. We understand the importance of empathy and viewing one another from an empathetic perspective. How do we harness our emotion? Here's a little something practical to leave you with. The five steps to harnessing an emotion. Excuse me, the six steps. Thank you. <laughs> if you have a negative emotion, if you have a triggering event where you haven't had the time to process it, you have any type of emotion, because quite frankly, if you're just having a joyful, gleeful emotion, you really don't have to do any of this. You know what I'm saying? You could just be happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if you realize that action needs to be taken as a result of the emotion you're experiencing, these are six steps you can use. Number one is depersonalize them, which it's crazy that step one is the hardest step in this whole thing. Because when we feel an emotion, what's the first thing we do? It's my emotion. It's my emotion that I'm feeling in my body because of the story that 
I'm telling myself as a result of the person that I'm engaging with or the situation that I'm in. Me, 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 me. Makes all the sense in the world. But this is also a reason why we keep talking about the practicality of centering prayer, the practicality of meditation, the, pract the practicality of yoga, whatever you decide, the practicality of having a spiritual practice. Because one of the key influencers on this process is being able to develop space between yourself and the emotion. Being able to give yourself just a little bit of space to see it before you react to it, to think about it, to process it before you react to it. Because people who react end up losing people. They end up hurting people. They end up getting put in jail. They end up being in situations that could have been saved with a few seconds of space. And when we have that space, we can depersonalize. We can step outside of it because I cannot, you know, I, I love this statement that was, you can't control yourself. One of my professors said that. He goes, I hate when people tell their kids, control yourself. He goes, you can't control something unless you step out of it. You got to be able to see the emotion as the emotion or simply acknowledge, okay, I'm experiencing this emotion right now. I don't have to make it mine yet. There's a feeling happening. There's a difference between I'm angry and I'm experiencing anger. Or my favorite, there's anger here. That's what I'll say, there's anger here. Depersonalize. Number two is validate their presence. Too often, especially people who are often told that they're too sensitive or they experience emotions too much, they're very accustomed to people invalidating their emotions. And so as a result, they start adopting that as a way for them to relate to their own emotions. So they start saying, I shouldn't feel this way. That is so backwards, it's not even funny. I shouldn't feel this way, no. My emotion is objective. Why? Because it's something that's happening. It's my body telling me something that I need to take a look at. It's either telling me something about my situation and or it's telling me something about me. If I'm emoting and I don't like the fact that I'm emoting in this way to this situation, maybe that means I got some stuff I need to take a look at. Maybe I need to stop just saying, oh, I've got a little of a temper. No, maybe I had a messed up relationship with my parents. Maybe I had something go on in my past history that I've yet to work out yet. Maybe in this situation, I'm projecting onto this person something because they remind me of somebody that hurt me 20 years ago. Maybe that's the case. And so whatever is being said in my emotion, understand my emotion is always telling me something valid. It's always telling me something valid. Now the question is about what or about who? Maybe it's telling me something about me, but I gotta validate it. Then accept it, accept that it's there. Sometimes we get angry that we're angry. We get sad that we're sad. We get annoyed that we're annoyed. We gotta be able to accept it's occurring. 
study their message about you. Always ask myself, if I'm feeling an emotion, this concept of radical accountability. Even if somebody walked up and slapped me in the face, which they're not going to do, but if somebody, hallelujah, um, if somebody walked up and slapped me in the face, yeah, sure, there's a reaction there, but the question becomes, why do I feel the way I do about it? Why is this? Because if you take a drug, the only reason why that drug gives your body an effect is because you have a receptor for that drug in your body. Respectively, if something causes a reaction in me, that means I was receptive to that. There was something in me that's susceptive to that stimuli, you get me? Study their message about you. You can learn so much about you if you actually take a look at your heart. Study their message about the situation. We don't even need to go into that because that part we masters of. We love being able to talk about the situation and explain exactly why this situation made me feel this way. Right? And the last one is take action. And this is where I'm going to close. Where, forget, forget there's anybody else in here for a second. Because maybe there's one person in here that needs this for a breakthrough genuinely. Where in your life do you need action? Where in your life do you want action? Be the change. We can't rely on someone else making changes in our lives for us. And I'm saying this because there's people who go home every day and are in here right now and suffer silent torture. They suffer things that you don't tell nobody about. You suffer things that other people don't understand. And it's painful, and you feel trapped, and it's felt like you're walking the long walk to freedom because you're saying, Lord, when am I going to have release from this thing? And I'm here to tell you that there is a power in the seat of your emotion. That number one, the pain you feel, understand that that pain will change into your purpose. The reason why I'm talking about this right now is because this has been a place of pain for me. What you're experiencing, if you literally let yourself observe it and take the steps to do the work, maybe you need to go to therapy. A lot of people don't do it because they're too prideful at the area of their mental health. If you still got pride, then maybe you haven't suffered enough. Because when you're tired of suffering, you say, Lord, I'll get it how I can get it. If I got to crawl, if I got to run, if I got to sprint, Lord, I want change. I want change. Be willing to take the action and understand this, and this is where I will leave it. Understand that the intensity of what you feel, the sadness, the struggle, the depression, whatever, hold on. Because all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. He will use you, but 
you got to surrender into it. Lord, use us. Lord, speak to the depth of our emotions. Speak to our experiences. Speak to our experience of life on a daily basis. Bring wisdom through our feelings. Bring wisdom through our living so that we can go into this world and do your work, Lord. We love you and we thank you for this reservoir of power that you have put in us. And I ask you, Lord, that you would chasten us and you would strengthen us to harness this power so that we could do your work, for these are the hands of God. We love you and we thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Hartway. We love you guys. We thank you. Have an amazing Sunday. See you next week.